Amen. Let's praise God. Let's thank him together in prayer. Lord, what a powerful, powerful name the name of Jesus is. There's fear in the world. There's doubt. There's loneliness. There's brokenness. God, even in victory, some wonder what's next and what could possibly be worth living for. We know the answer. We know the secret answer to that question. It's a life in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, what a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. What a victorious name over sin and death and trial the name of Jesus is. We love you and we praise you together. It's in your name we all pray together. Amen. Hey, some enthusiasm for God and all of his goodness this morning, if you don't mind. If you don't mind doing that, go ahead and have a seat, please. Real excited about preaching today and worshiping with you. You're so lucky because I'm going to fix your life today. <sighs> Actually, we got one applause. Is that you, Daryl? You're like, you're like, have at it. I need it. Let's do it. God is going to tell you some great things in his word today. If you're new to our church or um, haven't been around church for a while, what we do is we open up God's word. We go through a book of the Bible. Today, it's the book of Philippians, and we're rounding towards the end of Philippians. And we start talking about it today, and then groups all over town and all over our our church discuss it in groups, in circles, instead of rows throughout the week. Some of you can use those questions that are in your bulletins today if you want to study God's word um, alone or with someone else this week. There's some great questions in there. But I'm so blessed to to share another classic Philippian scripture with you. There is a secret to life, and it is not more stuff. It is not more fame. It is not even more love. It is more God. And St. Paul calls this contentment in the scriptures, in Philippians chapter 4, contentment. And I have a question for you. Are you content? Are you content? The dictionary would say content is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Are you content? Now, if you're a visual learner, maybe look at the screen. Is your life more like this dog over here or this cat over here? And that's that's not a comment on which is better. I have several of both running amok in my home at this very moment. Have you reached contentment? Have you reached that place where you're truly okay and not just okay, Don? Come on. Are you okay with who you are, with what you have? with who you married or whether you will, with the stuff you have or more likely don't have that someone else has? Are you content with your status or perhaps your lack of status? Do you feel like people notice you or you're invisible? Do you have a nice enough car? Show of hands, no. Do you have a nice enough house? Do you have a nice enough friendships? Do you feel like you'd be a little bit happier and more content if you had some more money or some more stuff or less friends than you have right now? In of all places, we have in God's holy word in the Bible some answers for how to reach contentment. Would you read with me? I'm going to lead you through Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Paul is wrapping up. He's saying important things, but I believe he's repeating some things, helping them understand how significant some of these things are through repetition. 
But he says in chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Now, a lot of you are studying this, and you've seen this before, and you might know what this is, but what's going on in this passage? Just a recap, if you haven't read ahead, or if you, if you don't remember the highlights, or if you're new with us, Paul is rejoicing again. The word rejoice is all over Philippians. Some people think it's the book of joy. Paul is rejoicing again, and just for our new folks, uh, how, where is he rejoicing from? Where is he writing this letter from, church? He's writing from a prison cell, and yet he continues to say, I rejoice, and you should rejoice, and we should rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And today, he even says, I rejoice greatly. We see in here one more time, there is a great relationship between Paul and the Philippian church. They care about each other. We also see that they did more than just send their thoughts and prayers, but that they participated in supporting him and giving to his ministry. We also see that Paul tells us and tells them that he knows a secret about how to get along and how to get through all situations, a secret about contentment. And then finally this week, and then the passages to come, Paul appreciates them for their giving, their concern, and their prayers. Fairly obvious stuff, but just wanted to recap, get it if it was hitting you like Bible words at nine in the morning. This is what's going on in this passage. So let's walk through it together. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Would you say greatly for me? Participate today. First thing I noticed off the bat is not greatly though, but it's I rejoice in the Lord. Would you say in the Lord? Way back, first week of Philippians, we started to see in Christ, at, uh, at Philippi, but the big thing was that they were in Christ. Once again, Paul is telling us he rejoices in the Lord. I know Colin covered this earlier a couple weeks ago in chapter four, but it re-emphasizes we rejoice not in our circumstances, but in the Lord. And not just in the Lord, but Paul says in the Lord greatly. Superlative, thrown out. I rejoice in the Lord, not in my circumstance, not in what's been done to me or about me, but my rejoicing is in the Lord. And I believe someone needs to hear that today. And then it gets uh, interesting. Now at length, he goes on in the scripture. Now at length, and that's a very strange wording. It might be better to say now at last or finally. I, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length, it took them some time to get to what comes after now at length because of Paul's imprisonment, his shipwreck, perhaps simply because there was no available simple courier or messenger. It's, it might have felt like to someone other than Paul that they had forgotten about him or had let his circumstances slip their minds. But instead, he rejoiced because they did not forget about him. But instead, they took an offering 
and they blessed Paul. Now, something you'll notice this week and especially next week, as Paul is raising the issue of giving and receiving, this church, J.D., is raising money for Paul's trial (laughs) and his legal fees. Can you imagine if I came to you for that? (laughs) If I said, guys, we just got to make one call, that's all. And I'm in some trouble. And, you know, but of course, Paul was a godly man. And of course, if I was suffering for the gospel, you guys would be all about that. But it is interesting that that in this moment is one man, one very important man, but with a great and godly need. And they're not just um, supporting Paul. They're supporting the gospel through Paul. But they did not forget about him. They took an offering and they blessed Paul. He says, you have revived. Now at length, you have revived your concern for me. Now at length or at last, you have revived your concern for me. This is just one of those things that's interesting in the original language in Greek. It may or may not, you know, really get you life changed today, but listen to the Greek. You caused your thinking concerning me to bloom again. Isn't Paul a master? You caused your thinking concerning me to bloom again, or you bloomed again in regard to your thinking concerning me. Just look at the grace that Paul has. When we look at next week, you might be tempted to think like, this is kind of cheesy how Paul's asking for giving next week. And yet we go, well, this is the scriptures and this is inspired and this is a man who's not getting personal gain from the gospel. And so you just see this person in Paul And we get to it a little bit more deeper in a moment. Who doesn't really care what happens to himself? He only cares about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this moment, he's not saying, thanks for the check. Or thanks for the, you know, oh man, I was dying. The food here is terrible. Thanks for that care package. But he's saying, oh, how beautiful to see your giving and your grace bloom Again, how many of you thought it was spring on Friday? And then you got that cruel retort on Saturday that it is not. But think about being in that cold cell and knowing, man, there's one church out there that really loves me, that's always shared my concern. They've supported me from day one. They've not asked questions. They've not been suspicious of my motives. They've just poured out blessing to the Lord. And he says, you're thinking has bloomed again. You were indeed, it says, concerned for me. So what a just trusting, beautiful human being St. Paul is. He's not Christ. Don't glorify him, but look how much he's like Christ. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He's kind and he's gentle here. You wanted to give. You wanted to send help, but you must have just lacked opportunity. And once you had the ability to do something, you did. And then here's where we get to the meat in our McDLT today of scripture. This is about contentment. He says in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. Paul might seem needy. He might feel like he's responding needy. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Don't you want to be content, church? I know how to be brought low, And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. 
Very interesting, the Greek word he used, not necessarily the Greek word he used, but what this word meant in that day and time, memuemae, something like that, or M&M. Paul is possibly using the language of the mystery religions. You remember last week I went on a little bit of a rant about just the teachings and all the things they were throwing out last, last week, all the things they were throwing out in Philippi and all of the false teachings and pseudo-intellectual deepness they had to contend with. It would have been very common in that day and age to have somebody walk up to you in Philippi or another Roman colony or area and say, have you learned the mysteries? You're like, okay. Have you learned the secret? Because there was always a new mystery, a new secret. I'm sorry, most literally, the word has the flavor of have you been initiated into the mysteries? Paul may have, may have. I'm basing this on last week and his personality that comes through the scriptures. He may have been, and oh, I hope he was, mocking them. Can it be one of the fruits of the Spirit, Lord? Can it? He may have been saying, have you been initiated into the mystery? And they're like, what? Paul's talking about this now. And he says, I have learned the secret. Paul, what celestial illumination do you have for us? I have learned the secret, he says. Yes, what is it? Do we have wings? Do we think lofty thoughts and then the God essence comes to us like all the other philosophers? What is it, Paul? He says, the mystery of the universe that I initiate you into is I know how to be okay in life. (laughs) Wow. Whether I have a lot or a little, whether things are good or bad, whether things are chaos, peaceful, or even when things are going the way I want and I might be egotistical or narcissistic. Whatever's happening, that's the secret. I have learned to be content because of him who strengthens me. There's this great old Jewish parable where a poor man lived with his wife and six children in a one-room house. Anybody see a problem? And he was always, they were always on top of each other. They were always running into each other. It was always just chaos and noise. And he, he was kind of a quiet man and he couldn't handle it anymore. And he was complaining to his wife day after day after day. And the wife says, go talk to the rabbi. And so he goes to the rabbi and he says, rabbi, I am so unhappy. I live in a one room house with myself, my wife, and our six children. And the rabbi listens for a little bit and he says, do you have any animals? He says, yes, we have a cow, a goat, and some chickens. And he goes, my son, I'm going to give you wonderful wisdom. And if you apply it, you will come back to me one day, happier and more content than you've ever been. He goes, thank you, Rabbi. I'll do whatever you want. You lead our village well. I'll do anything you ask me to. And he says, invite the cow, the goat, and all of the chickens into your home. And he goes, what now? And so he goes home and he tells the wife and they bring all the animals in and it's just chaos. As you might imagine, chickens clucking and doing what chickens do and picking at each other and the cow knocking over everything and the goat making an incessant noise. And he goes back to the rabbi and he says, rabbi, your advice was terrible. I am more miserable than I was before. What should I do now? And he says, "Um, send send the cow out. And he goes, okay. He goes home, sends the cow out. Just as miserable as before. 
The smell is a little bit better, but everything else is rotten. He comes back to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, it's terrible. This is the worst. This, uh, this advice is just worthless. What, 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 what should I do? And he says, well, try sending just the goat out. He goes home and he sends just the goat out. And for a moment, there is a little more peace. But then the chickens are just ruling the place and hopping over all over everything and doing the things that chicken do when left, when left uh, to their own senses. And he goes back to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, this is nonsense. I'm miserable. It's worse than before. My children are scarred and my house smells like a barn. What should I do? And he says, send the chickens out. And he says, yes, rabbi, I will do that. And he goes back and he sends them out and then he, and, and they live and they get the house clean. And all of a sudden his one room house feels like a mansion. And he comes back to the rabbi and the rabbi said, how goes it with you? And he says, it's incredible. I'm so thankful for the peace and the quiet and all that God has done for me. The secret to Christianity that we have, let me say the secret of Christianity that we have, that the world around us largely does not experience, is contentment. To be thankful for what God has given us, to not hoard and hold back, but to be at peace and at happiness with what God has provided. To not be concerned with those who have more or look better or get along and fare in a superior way to what we do. To not judge those who are, we deem as under us or less accomplished than us, but to simply be content with what God has brought in our lives. Like Paul said, to be made low or to be made high, to have little or to have plenty. And I just wanna ask you, are you content? Are you content? Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Interesting words in the ESV translation, to be brought low is to submit yourself or to humble yourself to scarcity. And so Paul is talking quite literally about belongings and havings and possessions, but it works in all areas of life. And then he says, I know how to abound. Don't you think if most people heard that, they would say, Paul, tell us how to do that one. Tell us how to abound. That's how you fill a church. That's how you start a movement. That's how you sell a book. You tell people how to abound, how to abound, how to abound. Paul says, whether God has me low or God has me abounding, I know how to be happy. I know how to have contentment. And it's not just choosing to do so. He really tells us how in a moment. And I do want you to hear, though, because I think we all understand that it's challenging to have contentment in scarcity, in poverty, in financial trouble, or, you know, when there's a lot of expenses in our life. But some of you are just going to have to believe me by faith because you don't really believe this. It's also very challenging to be content when you have much. You're the same person either side, and your heart is just revealed in the amount of money or things you have or don't have. And so it's actually equally challenging to main, and perhaps more challenging to maintain a Christ-centeredness in times of abundance or in a life of abundance. The scriptures give us such great help. Let me give you some of the greatest hits. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, 
he being Jesus, of course, I will never leave you nor forsake you. First Timothy chapter six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. These are financial words in first Timothy six, six through seven. Godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Psalm 37, 4, though, we're not to be aesthetes, we're not to be a life of misery. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Paul has found in Christ, and if you remember all the way back to chapter 3, he had it all in his culture, in his society, in his day, in his faith, but he considered it all a loss compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, that I may somehow attain to him, suffer like him, and attain the power, uh, attain the resurrection from the dead as he did. Paul has found in Christ not scraps, but scrumptiousness. Not just crumbs, but crowns. Not meager means, but riches beyond reason. A couple sentences ago, he admonished them to bring their requests to God and to not be anxious for anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplications, make your requests, prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And then now he models for them from a prison cell and read 2 Corinthians 11 if you want to see the list of all the things Paul has gone through that would bring discontentment to most of us. Now he models for them how to have lasting contentment and why. And now we come today to our Hobby Lobby verse. Philippians has so many of them. This is another one you would see on someone's coffee mug or burned into a wood sign hanging in their family room or something like that. And it comes in the, con- no one would believe you. It comes in the context of Paul talking about financial contentment. And he says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm just curious if you feel like that verse has ever blessed you or encouraged you in your life. Would you just raise your hand like, yeah, right? Look around, turn your heads, hobby lobby time. Does anyone have it hanging in their house? I know that I do somewhere, you do. You guys are so godly, so godly. Melody, Melody, lead us. You have the coffee, coffee cup, okay. But you need the coffee too, don't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Paul says, here's the secret. Do you remember that book, The Secret? It was kind of one of those Christian-y-ish things that was supposed to answer all the questions for us. The secret's Jesus, people. There's no new surprise. It's not some magic prayer or incantation or hidden verse that you've never discovered before. It's, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Kind of whisper that to yourself. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Just, I'd ask you to say that today and believe that today. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Contentment doesn't come from birth, from wealth, or from yourself. It's from God. I thought this was great. We were studying the passage together with Sean Lickfold. Sean was playing the bass today. He uh, leads worship on Sunday nights often, and he came up with this all by himself. I Googled it to make sure you weren't lying. (laughs) 
when he talked about how we find our joy in the Lord, he said, we want to be filled full. That's what we want, but God wants us to be full filled. You will be filled, you will be content, you will be contented when you are following God and finding your fulfillment in him and your strength in him. There is a secret to life. There is a secret to life, and it's not more stuff. It's not more fame. It's not even more love. It is more God. Can I get an amen? I want to give you some simple applications. They're more ones that I think start in the head and the heart today, and you'll have to figure out what to do. That's your job anyways. Some simple applications. Deceptively simple not easily simple. Be happy with what you have. And don't have to add or don't have. Be happy with what you have. You know, if you're broke, give yourself a raise. No one else is going to. Give yourself a raise. Stop paying for Netflix. No, may it never be. Stop paying your electric bill. I don't know. Just there's some ideas, just some things. But I'll tell you, whenever I feel like broke or, oh, now we have this new expense in our life, I just stop doing something unnecessary and magically there's enough money to go around. So that's my big uh, eighth step to the Dave Ramsey uh, financial piece. And I give it to you for free. Give yourself a raise. There was one year, I probably wouldn't do it now, but I was just so disgusted with all the little things, you know, that, that cost money. Um, all the, you know, and this is back when the cell phone was not attached to your aorta and it was kind of, you know, still a little bit of a luxury maybe or, or things like that. Maybe not that far back, but there was, there was one month where we were streaming, you know, we had Netflix, we had Amazon Prime, we were paying for cable because of the internets largely. And I just got so disgusted. I had plenty of money, but I canceled Netflix. And, and I think it was maybe when the weather was turning a nice half. And I thought, we don't need that in March, you know, or April or May. And one of my children, way older than you would think at this point, came up totally serious and was like, why would you do that? What kind of monster are you? It was awesome just to have that. I would have started it up the next day if I just would have known. Give more. That's a great way. We were talking in our study team this week of just of all the spiritual disciplines. I'll get real bitter and think I'm doing more than my share of evangelism or shepherding or discipleship or service. And I can get real attitude between me and God and anyone else that'll listen. But with, I, love, I love to give. And as we talked about it, everyone that gives just kind of loves to give. And it's like, I can't remember ever giving and being like, I wish I wouldn't have given. And it's so weird because if you walked up to somebody who didn't have anything to do with church and stuff like that, and you said, hey, effective next month, I need you to send a thousand bucks to this thing out of nowhere, they would panic. And yet so many of God's people, it has nothing to do with what you make or or necessarily, I mean, it has little to do with what you make or how you were brought up. You've caught a love for God and you just give to his work. And I find it miraculous And I wonder if you'd agree with me that it's not one that you often go, well, I wish I hadn't done that. And there might be times when maybe you gave to some big project and, you know, they didn't do it and you can really, uh, you know, whatever. But like, oh my gosh, 
It's so awesome. So give more. Give something up. If you're not giving, start. If you've been giving on the same level for a long time, pray about thoughtfully increasing or decreasing if you need to. And then just whatever you choose to do, be faithful. And if you can't do it with a good heart and a happy heart, um, you know, don't do it. Unless God is telling you, I want you to give with a negative attitude. I wouldn't get in his way, but... But my advice would be, like, just wait, wait, and, it, you know, just start, start with something. I think this is a timely way to apply this. How can I be content? Give God control daily. I can't imagine looking at the stock market right now if I was going to retire on March 2nd. If you're in that boat, it's going to be all right. God's got you. Don't buy a yurt, take all your money out, and live in the foothills of Idaho, unless that's your dream, that's on your bucket list. I don't want to stop you. But don't do anything crazy. Give God control, man. Just one, like two minutes on whatever news aggregate you use in the morning. You just want to close your blinds and go back to sleep. It's end of days stuff. Just like the last time it was end of days stuff. And then the six months before that, when the world was going to end. And so give God control daily and recognize that so many of these things that we're panicked about and that we're worried about are artificial constructs. They've not even hit us where we live yet. And yet we've already worried and panicked about them. Apply that with wisdom, please. Give yourself what you really need. Try to be really perceptive about this. If you are a man or a woman who gets fulfilled by buying a little something, pursue that. Why am I okay with a day or a week or a month of happiness for this grill accessory or for this clothing item? That one hit home, guys, with the sun coming out. And it doesn't mean you can't have that thing, but if that's how you build up happiness, you're building a tower of Babel that will fall down. And so get real intense about those things until it's a reflex to make good decisions and godly decisions about those things. As simple as how you dress each day to as vast and various as how you spend your untold millions. Give God control. Give yourself what you really need, which is God. Cling to God now. If you don't cling to God now, you won't know how to when you need him. If you don't trust him now, you won't know how to trust him. Even though all around, say, religion is only important in times of crisis or in times of calamity. Those lessons and that contentment is achieved now. So that no matter what God does, you can know him and you can be content in him. There is a secret to life. And how interesting that Paul says, I know the secret. It's not more stuff. It's not more fame. It's not even more love. It's more God. Friday, I got to go to a memorial service slash celebration of life. And then on Saturday, a celebration. I'm not sure what it was titled, but a cancer-free diagnosis, end of treatment party for Heidi Holland. There she is right there, right under my nose. Awesome, awesome. I know you don't like attention, so I I stole some. (laughs) And you know, nobody was at either of those things talking about like how awesome their car was or their, their summer place. You know, nobody was 
talking about how lame those people are over there. They weren't freaking out about the news or the stock market or trying to appear successful. They were rightly gathered around people who were going through something real, one sad and and one just so happy. And everyone at those things, in whatever way they were experiencing it, close to the Lord, far from the Lord, whatever their deal is, they were thankful for family. They were thankful for being around people. They were thankful for tasty desserts and meat snacks that you didn't even know were going to be there. They were just so thankful and focused on the right things and really thankful for each person that walked through the door who cared. And Heidi, you were like a cocker spaniel at your party. Someone would come through the, you know, you'd see them through the window and you'd drop whoever you were talking to and you would go to the front door and you would let them in and you'd be so excited that they were there. People were thankful for the right things, being around people who care. And in that case, I think that one of God's precious saints is going to be with us a little bit longer. And these are the things that life is really about. These are the pictures of contentment. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know what it is to have a lot. I sure know what it is to have a little, Paul says. But I've learned the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Would you pray with me? Just want to invite you to pray as we get ready to worship and adore the Lord a little bit more in song and scripture songs. And I want to lead you in a little bit of a prayer today. If you're with me, I want to lead you to pray something like, Today, God, I decide to be content. Pray something like that in this moment. If that's where your heart is at, Lord, I return to being content. Lord, I purpose not to grumble or I purpose not to whine. And when I do, inevitably, I purpose to repent and to come back and to be thankful and to make my requests known to you. Lord, I pray for this church. May we learn the secret and then relearn it and relearn it and pass it on to our children and to those we know and love in our church that I don't need things. In some regards, I don't even need people. I just need him who strengthens me, he who gives me strength. I press on towards the goal of the upward call in God that is Christ Jesus. Lord, may we be known for our deep-seated happiness and joy and rejoicing that is not knocked over by the wind and choked out by the thorns of life and washed away by the floods of trial, but may we have this deep and abiding contentment. Thank you if you can help me. Thank you if you can give. Thank you if I can give to you. But my ultimate strength comes not from people, not from things, not from my job, not from my abilities. It is this secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we pray this in your name together. Amen.